Blog Talk Radio. A mother who just trying to pay her rent okay. Two kids, two jobs, daddy locked up for hustling Had to, had to do whatever cause something's better than nothing yeah. Stamps cut off knees, they can turn to praying Too much killing in the streets So the kids gotta stay in yeah. it's the different type of life that's being lived in these streets Blacks killing more blacks ain't appealing to me no We already is. at war with the world so where's the loyalty So we can get back to them youngest and raise them like royalty But we too busy paying court fees for white Bricks and bags of weed what? Instead of fighting for single mothers Who's struggling in our need Let's get on our Q's and P's Instead of selling P's and Q's And invest our time in learning And not becoming some fools Cause I swear my city crazy And you know it is too So I got some screed gospel And I wrote it just for you So I tell them So I tell them Hey, hey, so I tell them Hey, so I tell them Yeah, yeah, so I tell them Nothing shall prosper, not even these foreign weapons Can a nigga from the street receive a little slice of heaven? But hell is hard, but a reward it must be Seems a little harder for us, so is it just me? I know some won't agree or believe, but trust me I don't really care, cause in the end they won't judge me No gown, no gavel, from the clouds to the gravel Whether near or far travels, if it's a rapper unraveled Never lose hope, a high from living life's the best used dope Push the view of Black Lives Matter and never lose scope. Yeah. Loud as I can still screaming justice for my folk. Yeah. And God bless their soul. But they'll never know how hard we really get it. get it. We just asking for understanding and for y'all to stop it. Ball is in your court. What you gonna do? Shoot your shot or drop it. Make your choices day. Bow our heads and let us pray. Yeah. As I say, hey, hey, so why tell them? Hey, so why? right here on Indie Fire with your host, Nakia. And that was Mind Frame, straight out of Memphis, Tennessee. Make sure you're following him on social media um, at, thank God, I'm Frame. Um, and that was Street Gospel. Um, let me first say that 
I'm a little under the weather this evening. I so if I sound like a man, like somebody talked to me on the phone the other day, and they 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 know me. I don't know if they was joking or if it just caught them off guard or whatever. But they was just like, "Hi, right, yes, sir." So if I sound my voice sounds a little deeper, you know, tonight, um, if my voice goes in and out tonight, I'm sick, guys. Like I got fever, I got a sore throat, I got aches and pains, I got like I got everything. Like I don't know, I don't know what this is. Like I don't get sick. Last time I got sick was like three years ago, and I had pneumonia. And so I don't want that to get this bad because I had me out for like three weeks, all right? So you'll keep your girl in your prayers, all right? I want to just backtrack and talk about not really things that have happened in the entertainment um, or celebrity world, um, but just some things that, you know, uh, that we kind of celebrated over the weekend. And um, let's back up to Saturday, you know, uh, 420 was Saturday. And you all know what 420 is, right? <laughs> so, uh, uh, yeah, I don't want to say shout out to you guys, but, you know, I'm sure that the day was very festive uh, for you all. Uh, and I hope it was very safe as well. Leading into Sunday, 421. Now, so I, I had this so that it would all kind of flow together. And so, like, right before the show, I got this memo about something else that happened on 421. So it all doesn't kind of, it, it just really doesn't flow together anymore. But everybody knows Sunday was Easter. Happy belated Easter. Happy Resur- Resurrection Day um, to everyone. Um, you all know the symbolism um, and the meaning behind uh, Easter. I don't have to preach to you about that today. So uh, for those of you who make it to church twice a year, you know, Easter, Mother's Day, um, I hope that you had an enjoyable service. Uh, I hope that, you know, some things stuck with you and they will uh, sustain you for the week so that you'll be able to roll back up in church on Sunday and get a little bit more. How's that sound? All right. Also on 421, which kind of would go hand-to-hand with 420, it was Sexual Happiness Day. Not to be confused with National Orgasm Day, because we all know that's July 31st. But, uh, yeah, Sexual Happiness Day. Yo, I never heard of this, like, ever, (laughs) ever heard of this. And I was reading the article that was sent to me, and the gentleman uh, who wrote the article was just, you know, um, bringing attention to um, sexuality and and sexual awareness. And, um, you know, he he made some comments like, you know, it doesn't matter if you're, you know, if you're skinny, if you're thin, if you're a little overweight, if you're fat, if you're, you know, black, white, it doesn't matter the race, you know, we all, um, we all want to be loved and we all want to feel loved. And sometimes, most of the times that comes with, you know, um, different acts, you know what I mean, uh, sexual acts. And so he, he was stating, you know, if you're the type of person who wanted to celebrate all day uh, by just being in bed all day or, you know, in between um, breakfast and lunch or lunch and dinner or, you know, just wherever, just enjoy the the acts. And um, I had a discussion with an artist a couple of weeks ago, uh, and it was funny because we're both um, PKs. Everybody knows that teachers kids. We're both PKs, right? And we both grew up uh, in the world, but, you know, when you're in the holiness of the Pentecostal church, it, everything's pretty much the same, right? So you know right from wrong. And But the, the, the conversation that we had, we were talking about music initially. Then it kind of went far left, you know, and he was like, you know, I was today years old when I found out that um, pleasing myself was like a sin. And I'm like, boy, shut up. Are you serious? And he's like, yeah, really, because I, I just really didn't think, you know, that that was what the Bible said. So we spent we spent some time that day, like, pulling up Bible verses 
and um, making them, you know how some people will pull the Bible and make it twisted and turn it so that it relates to um, what they're going through only, you know, and it's only going to benefit that, whatever that particular um, situation is. But we were able to find a lot of verses um, that just, that talked about, you know, um, how it's wrong, um, how it is a sin, you know what I mean? So um, I said all that to say, uh, however you chose to spend or however you chose to have spent a 421 Sexual Happiness Day, I hope that um, on the following day, on Monday, you know, you're happy. And it'll carry you throughout the rest of the week until you decide to have that day again. You should be happy. I feel like like that about Valentine's Day. Like, you shouldn't have that one day to express your love for somebody. So if you're, you know, you're married, because <clears throat> you know that we only do that when we're married. If you're married and <laughs> you're, you know, you're enjoying, you know, your significant other, uh, you should be able to do that every day. You shouldn't have that one specific day that's set aside for that. Moving on to yesterday, 422, that was Earth Day. Earth Day. How many of you guys celebrated Earth Day or did something, you know, um, symbolic uh, or talked about it or, you know, shed some light um, on what the Earth Day or what Earth Day means to the younger generations, you know, because they're going to be the ones who follow us and we need to be taking care of um, the Earth. So, so yeah, those are the three days. Uh, the weekend, the weekend was full of, you know, um, different events. Uh, that people um, like Easter egg hunts. Like I forgot all about. I'm not that old, but I'm old old enough to forget that you know the little kids enjoy stuff like Easter egg hunts. You know, I forgot all about Easter egg hunts. Like I, I just kept telling people I want an Easter egg basket. You know, and they were like, go to Walmart, buy you a basket. No, I I need a basket that's gonna have like adult stuff in it. You know, not like cream eggs and, and stuff like that. Like I need cash and. Bath and Body Works and wine and more cash, you know what I mean? I need stuff like that in my Easter basket. So um, I did get an Easter basket uh, from a friend. So thank you uh, for sending that to me. Thank you. Let me go ahead and get my shout-outs in now because I typically forget to go ahead and get them in. So let me go ahead and do that before we bring our guests in. And um, all of my guests on the show are special. Um, This guest tonight is no different. But he comes from a special community. And I've said this numerous times when the end of April. I've said this numerous times since January. I've had more. This is the third season of this show. I've had more authors or poets on this season um, than I've had seasons. And it's because of this literary community that they have just, um, like, brought me in. And, And I say this every time I have an author or a poet on the show, like, you give me the motivation and you give me the um inspiration to go ahead and pick the pen up that continues to lay down, you know, and to finish the books that I've started. Um, now, this this author tonight I think is pretty amazing, um, putting out three books last year and slated to put out three this year. Um, I, I'm not going to get like that. I'm going to go ahead and put that out there. I'm not going to get like that because it's taken me like 20 years to get started on this one book. So I'm, but I just, I found so much motivation in these individuals. So shout out to my business bestie, um, Susie Newton. She's an author, a publisher, a songwriter, and a poet. Uh, you can subscribe to her um, website, www.susienewton, that's N-E-W-T-O-N.com. Shout out to F.L. Beatty. He's an author as well out of Tampa, Florida. He sent, I don't know, two or three uh, guests already on the show. Um, thank you for your support. Uh, thank you for sharing everything that I post. Thank you for your words of encouragement. You can follow him on Instagram at 
Gans, that's G-A-N-Z, 72. Uh, Chanel, out of Tampa, Florida, urban Christian fiction author and blogger. Um, again, with the same, you know, her her support is uh, amazing. Um, and the books that she's written, y'all need to get on them, get on them. Um, you can follow her on her website or subscribe to her website at Chanel, S-H-E-N-E-L-L-I-N-C.com. You can find out where she's going to be next. She was just at um, a big event in Tampa on Florida and um, or in Florida, and you can uh, purchase the books as well. Uh, also, uh, Lady Kier, R&B hip-hop artist out of Charlotte, North Carolina, who uh, gives the same support who gives, you know, just words of encouragement and motivation and inspiration on the daily. Uh, follow her on uh, Instagram at Lady Kier. That's K-E-A-I-R, the number two. also want to say, um, free my girl, supporter of all things Indie Fire, Tiffany Johnson, who was in Facebook jail for about the third time this year. And we're only in month four. And you know they keep you in jail for like 30 days. So, Tiffany's like the queen of memes, all right? So I don't know who, who reported her, but Facebook, she got a way around that. So um, she's still doing what she does. But, you know, free her, her real name, so she can get back out there and just make people smile, all right? Uh, I want to jump right in now and, and, and get this interview started with my guest. I'm talking about Gerald C. Anderson Sr. He was born and raised in Tampa, Florida. He spent most of his childhood life growing up in the Belmont Heights area of Tampa, in 1980, Gerald graduated from C. Leon King Senior High School in Temple Terrace, Florida. After graduation, he enlisted in the United States Air Force. In his service career, Gerald traveled the world with assignments to California twice, Florida, Kansas, Maryland, West Germany, and Korea. Upon his last assignment in Maryland and after retirement from the Air Force, Gerald worked in the United States Federal Government's Department of Energy. In 2003, he moved to the Internal Service on <laughs> Internal Revenue Service. I ran from them. And in 2007, he joined the Department of Education. In 2005, Joe got his Bachelor of Science degree in Computer Information Systems from Storia University. And in 2008, he received his Master of Administration degree in Criminal Justice Administration from the University of Cincinnati. His published books include We Come in Peace, 2010, 27 Hours, in 2012 and republished in 2014, 2016, The Lawyer, 2018, The Last Song, 2018, Save, 2018, The Room, newly published, 2019, Are You Innocent, scheduled for release May 2019, and Warlord, scheduled for release August 2019. In 2015, Gerald and Renata M. Smith agreed to become business partners and started Righteous Productions. Together, they wrote the script for the movie version of Standing Firm and co-produced the movie. And if I listening audience and fans, I present to you my guest this evening, Mr. Gerald C. Anderson, Sr. Hi, oh, wait, 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 here we go, here we go, I got it, I got it, this Yes. See, <laughs> That's cool. see, most of the time I'm like all over the place and I forget the applause. But yeah, I, I got it. Welcome to the show. I'm so glad to have you here. You could have been anywhere uh, this evening and very, very short notice. That's what I love about literary community because they're all standing um, firm on what they do and they support one another. And so when I posted, I don't know, Sunday night, 
that, you know, I had my scheduled guest um, had a family emergency and I needed someone. Um, that literary community just jumped right in and, you know, started sharing the post. And um, here you are. So welcome to the show. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for having me. You are so very welcome. And, and I want to say also, I uh, thank you for your service. Um, that to me is um, when people, you know, step out of self and are able to have um, selfless acts like serving, you know, in any branch of the military, um, that, that's huge. That's huge. And I have a son that's in the Army now, so that's, you know, that's very huge um, for me. So thank you for your service. Um, jumping You're right welcome. in. Yes, thank you. Uh, when did you first realize that you wanted to be a writer? Well, you know, when you mentioned you mentioned the college um, stuff that I went through um, back in 2008 when I was uh, getting ready to graduate from the University of Cincinnati, um, a mm-hmm. master's program has a has a lot of writing in it, and so when when I finished that, you know, the, the last course that I had is like a 40 page paper that you have to write. So mm-hmm. when I finished that, I decided that you know all of this writing. For academic reasons, it's time for me to do some writing for my enjoyment, and that's when We Come in Peace came about. You know, it took me you know two years to put it all together, but um, after after I did that, you know, I, I felt so good about it. I just kept going, and I have I've never stopped since then. So, uh, so that to answer your question, I've always wanted to write, but what motivated me to write was going through that um, program at the University of Cincinnati. Yeah, no, I can't say that is going to be for me. Like, I uh, I graduate next month and um, for the second time, and uh, I did mention to someone that I was going to take a semester off before I went back because I, I needed the time not only for myself but to, um, like I said, you guys have motivated me so much to want to get back into not just writing, you know, because I used to just write just to release feelings, you know, but there's so many right. books that are within me that I feel like right now I'm just I'm consumed with so much and being pulled in so many different directions that I need to take a semester off to at least start writing, you know, this this first mm-hmm. book. Um, but, yeah, only these papers that I've had to write this last month or so, no, it hasn't motivated me. Um, it's just something that's within <laughs> me, you know, that I know that I have to accomplish, kind of that thing that's on your bucket list, you know what I mean? Yeah, right. yeah, I I know exactly what you mean because, like, like I said, I started my first book, my first two books actually, each took two years to write, and but then I I started learning stuff, you know, and I I, I saw some things, I I read some books, and uh and I and I put together a strategy, to where now like uh, the one that's coming out next month, are you single? Is I mean, are you uh, innocent? It's gonna be around seventy five thousand words in a month. But I have a system that allows me to go that that has allowed me to go from 500 words a day to 5,000 words a day. Wow! And it's all I mean, all I in this all in the same that. thing that I've been doing daily. You know, I you know I don't I don't do anything extra except I use the time that that was downtime to to write in places that you wouldn't think you could write. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, yeah, I need that, to jump so on that. I don't, have two years. <laughs> I don't have two years. Yeah. I don't have that energy. 
I don't have that. I got like four months to get this book done. All right, four months. Yeah. Um. So and I need yeah, that. And, I need that. Strategy. In four months, I could probably have two and a half books done now. <laughs> hey, 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 hey! Stop bragging. Stop bragging. So, so what you, <laughs> well, I mean, it's the it's the strategy. The stories are there. It's just getting them out of your head and putting them on paper. Right, right. I'll be your first um, buyer. That's for certain. Uh, when you sit down to write a story, uh, do you know how it's going to end? No, me. Uh, now I'm not your atypical author. Okay, and that the answer to your question. No, I don't. I don't really. I don't really have an exact way. That I think it's gonna end. I may have an idea, but when I when I get when I get an idea for a book, let's take the room for instance. I had an idea for for that book, and then actually that book started out as a um, a short story. It was only gonna be you know about twenty thousand words short story. That was my goal. Well, when I started writing, the characters start coming to life, the story starts coming together. Before you know it, it's, we're over sixty thousand words, and it's a book. <laughs> so no, it, I, I never really know everything about the book until I finish writing the book, and then that's just me. Um, other people they go and they outline everything that they want to happen in the book, mm-hmm. and they have everything mm-hmm. mapped out, and then they start writing. I don't do that. I have an idea, and I just start writing, and then let the story just come out of me as I go along. Now that's interesting. Um, that's more of my style of writing. But Fred, was, when he was on the show, he mentioned that he did have an outline that he used, and I thought, okay, well maybe I could, you know, because I always know how it's going to end, and I pretty much know how it's going to start. It's that stuff that's in the middle that kind of just, you know, is all over the place. And so, you know, mm-hmm. he mentioned his outline, but I think for me. You know, it's best for me to just go ahead and say what I gotta say. Just get it, get it all out without, mm. you know, without the outline. What's your writing process? Yeah, I, I can't use the outline. I, I can't use an outline at all because I, I actually did try an outline one time, and about two, about twenty pages in, I threw the outline away because <laughs> I wasn't gonna <laughs> stick to it. You know, it, it just it, that doesn't work for me. You know, because I, I know I know what the story is in my head. And even if I try to do an outline, tomorrow it's going to change because I'm going to come up with something mm-hmm. else. And then, you know, then I was going to take this character one way, and then all of a sudden I have to take him this way, you know. And so I, I throw it – I don't throw – I don't even start an outline. I just sit down and I start writing, you know. And I write and I write and I write all the way through until the story is over. And I, I, my first time going through writing a story, I don't worry about editing at all. I, I don't care about editing at all. I just want to get it all down on paper. Then I go back and mm-hmm. edit and, you know, review it, add stuff, take stuff out, whatever. But my, my main objective when I get started is to just write the whole thing from start to finish. Yeah. How do you stay disciplined and, and not get distracted? I enjoy it. It's, you know, if, you, if you're doing something that you enjoy doing, it's easy to just, to just continue doing it and just not get distracted from it. And for me, it, it relieves stress. You know, if you if you have stress, which 2018 was a stressful year for me. But, but when you start writing and you start getting into that world, or, or creative writing for me, you know, uh, maybe nonfiction authors might have a different perspective. But for me, creative writing, fiction writing, 
it it takes you away. It takes your mind off your problems. You ain't thinking about your problems. You're thinking about the character's problem and how, to, how mm-hmm. they're trying to get from point A to point B. And you're writing that, and you get into that. And before you know it, the day is gone. And, you know, you haven't worried about that thing that you that you thought you were going to worry about. So the writing, for me, is, is enjoyment, and it relieves stress if I have any. And so I just love doing it. So that's why I do it every day. And so writers are often encouraged to write what they know. How have your real-life experiences impacted the type of stories that you write about? Well, my stories are all Christian based, so you know that's my life right there. So everything I write about is is, is dealing with with uh, Christianity. It's Christian fiction stories, and I always like to to have stories that will entertain, but at the same time will educate the reader. So you know, I try to put stuff in there that people might say, "Oh, I didn't know that," you know, but they're reading it in a fiction book, you know, so. I, I just I write about things I write about that because I know a lot about that, you know, because that's the life that I live. You know, I I can't write about something that I don't know anything at all about. You know, so lately my stories have have had some some um, criminal justice woven into some of them too because that's my degree and I spent 15 years as a paralegal. So you write you write about the things you know because you don't really have to do research there. You know this stuff. Mm-hmm. You already know this stuff. Mm-hmm. So it's this the easiest thing to write and, and weave into your stories because you already have to know it. You don't have to sit there at a computer and research it and research and go talk to people and stuff to learn it. You already know it. Now there may be sometimes when you're trying to write uh, an aspect of your story or something, and you, you're going to have to do that kind of research. But I always try to stick to things that I know about because it's easier. Right. So in Christian fiction, how do you balance keeping the message strong while still wanting to reach others beyond uh, Christian bookstores or churches? Um, well, that's a tough question <laughs> because it, cause you have, it, it depends on the person. It depends on the, the author themselves, you know, and, and what, what are you trying to get out of this? And what are you trying to get out to people? You know, for me, I I try to keep my my books Christian fiction and have the message and everything, and they're mostly targeted at Christian people. Can non-Christian people read them? Sure, they can read those books, but my message is to to those people to the Christian community. You know, but anyone can read the book. You know, if they do read it, they will they will probably learn something from it. But I have to target a certain aspect of, and, and this is also what I learned as an author with, you know, with eight books out, you you have to target a group of people, you know, and, and that's, that's who you're writing to. You, you're not going to be able to target everyone. That'd be nice. You know, if you can target everyone, but my target is, is that group of people. Now, do I want it to go beyond them? Sure. But I can't sacrifice my message to make that happen. For me, yeah, that's good right there. That's good. Uh, why do you feel that some readers shy away from um, reading Christian fiction? Um, well, I have a tough time answering that question because I mean, I, I could guess it because it is Christian. You know, if, if you if you're not a Christian, 
then you're probably going to shy away from it because you think it's just all about Christianity, you know, it, it, but it's not, it's not a nonfiction book, which is most of your nonfiction Christian books are basically teaching you all about Christianity. Where this, my books are about normal everyday people going through things that happen to be Christian. And so for instance, in the room, you have five people who are, Normal everyday people that end up in a room, and they then the main character slowly finds out the uh, things about each one of the per- people in the room, and these people have all done something to him, his family during his life. For instance, one of the people um, was responsible for the death of his father. So the end, basically the end is, does he forgive these people for the things that they did to him in his life or not? So it comes out to that Christian principle of forgiveness. So I, I always try to introduce normal normal people struggling through the, through this thing we call life and dealing with certain aspects of it in a Christian way. Hmm. Okay. I can't wait to read the room. Normally I have a couple days to um, start reading, you know, um, the latest book by an author, but I was not granted that privilege this time, so I can't wait. That's okay. Standing Firm is another one. Standing Firm is a good example of one that, that, that was about domestic violence. People love that book. Mm. And so that was, that was about no, that's a Christian the one, family. That's the movie. Yeah, that's the one that became a movie. But that that's a Christian family that ends up having to deal with the aspect of domestic violence in their life. You know, as Christians, you know, this this came into their home, you know, into their family. You know, and people don't people think, you know, Christian uh I in fact I had one person who read my very first book, We Come in Peace, and he said, Well, you know, what's what's the sense of having a book when you know the outcome? <laughs> I was like you don't know the outcome, though. <laughs> and his his thought process was because God was involved in it. You already know what the outcome is going to be. And wow. I was like, no, you, that's that's not necessarily true. You know, you still have I still have people that read certain of my stories, and they and they like, wow, I, did, I I would not have guessed that ending. Because you can't always guess the ending. You can't guess what God is going to do. You can't guess what the author is going to do at the end of the story. Right. So. Yeah, Standing Firm was the one that was turned into a movie. Now, do these go? I know that they're um, they're not sequels of one another, but do you have to read them in a particular order? No, they're they're not they're not sequels, but uh, but the Standing Firm uh, that does have three books in that series. It's, it's Standing Firm, Secrets, and Save. They all together. So, Standing Firm is is the first one. Saved is the sequel to Standing Firm. Secrets is is the prequel to Standing Firm. But if I t- I tell people you should read Standing Firm first, because that, when, after Standing Firm was was put out and published, people liked it so much, and and I and I did several interviews and uh, spoke at different places about domestic violence. And the one question that a lot of people ask me is, how does a person become an abuser? So I got I got that question a lot. So I wrote secrets to take you back 
in, in, into the past so you could see how the abuser in standing firm became an abuser. And, you know, it was, it was because of what he saw in his father. His father was an abuser, so he became an abuser, and the cycle continued. So those three are together. Now, Warlord is also going to be is the sequel to 27 Hours. But none of the rest of them are, are connected like that. Okay. All right. Well, if you're just tuning in, you're live right here on Tuesdays on Indie Fire with Nakia and our special guest, uh, Daryl C. Anderson, Sr. You mentioned your characters quite a few times. Um, how do you select the names for your characters? Sometimes, you know, it's interesting you say that because in Are You Innocent, I was writing Are You Innocent, and I needed a name for a, a woman, a, a powerful Christian woman's name. And so I went on Facebook, and I said, I need a powerful Christian woman's name for my newest uh, 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 um, novel. Do you know how many people commented on that? <laughs> I got names, like long lists of names. That I said, I'm never doing this again. <laughs> Because <laughs> it was just too many names <laughs> that I got. Yes, I'm an ad Facebook. Oh yeah. <laughs> so, I said, so I said, no, I don't think I'll ever do that again because <laughs> it was too many, too many people. But so, sometimes I ask friends, um, and sometimes there's a, there's a um, a name, a character name general. And you know, the internet got everything. But so on the, right. on the internet, there's a thing called a character name generator. And you put your your characteristics of your character in that in that um, site, and it'll kick out names. So if you want an African American's name, a male, thirty years old, it kicks out names that were popular doing you know thirty years ago when babies were being born. It kicks out names. So and it, and it gives you the first name and the last name of the of the character. So I use that a lot. Sometimes I, I use people's names that I've known in my life, you know, so if people in my past read my books, they might see their name in there somewhere. <laughs> I use those, I use their names too. So it's it's just whatever's going on at the moment, you know, if, it, if it's a name that I think of, I use, if it's a name of somebody I used to know or currently know, I might use their name and I use the name generator, but I will never use Facebook again. I got too many choices from that. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, yes, I, I definitely will uh, utilize that um, because I don't want nobody to know that I'm talking about them. And um, right. if they read stories, they'll be able to know that, you know, that they impacted that part of my life, but I don't want to put their names out there mm-hmm. like that. Now, speaking of yeah. the powerful Christian woman's name that you were needing, um, what is the most difficult thing about writing characters from the um, opposite sex point of view? Um, that that I really have to talk to people a lot of times, you know, because when when I'm writing from a, a female's point of view, you know, I have to talk to females and I ask them questions. You know, I ask my, you know, I have a lot, I have a lot of uh, women friends. You know, Renata's one of them, as you saw in, the, in my bio. So you know, I ask them questions sometimes from from their perspective, and and get information so I can write it that way. You know, and I, I've I've known a lot of women over over the years. You know, I'm I'm like 50 years old, 56 years old. I know a lot of women. You know, I talk to my mom. Like my mom has like five, six sisters. You know, so I I know a lot of them that I can talk to and, and find out from the female perspective. 
whatever it is I need to find out at that moment. Mm, okay. So a lot of a lot of that went into standing firm because that was about three women in the and you know three uh, sisters in the house. So I had to talk to people about that one. <laughs> okay. How did pub, um, publishing your your first book um, change your writing process? Oh boy, <laughs> you must have did some research. You know, my my first book. You ever heard of Princess Black album? That he, yes, he put this, yes. this certain he put that album out just because um, um, so the record company wanted wanted to make money off of him and he didn't want to do it a certain right. way, so he just put that album out there to get right. to get a feel a contract. Okay, well, well, my Black album is my first book. You know, I didn't know what I was doing. You know, I was learning the process and everything, and I signed this contract, you know, to to get my book published. That was the most, biggest mistake I've made in my literary career. Don't ever sign a contract that where that asks you to pay money for these people to publish your book, and then now on the back end of it, they get eighty percent of what you make. Oh, for goodness. Don't ever do that. So if anybody's out there listening and thinking about writing their first book or whatever, do not ever do that. If if a company wants to wants to publish your book, read the contract, get somebody else to read the contract, however you do it, but make sure you read it thoroughly and see what the what the royalty percentage is that they're going to give you on the back end. And 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 the other thing about them is I couldn't even buy the books myself author copies of the book to turn around and sell because they had the price so high for me. The, I, the price was so high for me, um, Amazon had the book lower. So I was like, why would people buy the book for me if they can get it from Amazon cheaper? So I had, I had no wow. way of, of recouping any of the income that I made with that book. So I, I vowed to tell everybody that I could within my listening voice to never, ever do that. <laughs> They're called vanity Vanity Publishers. So don't ever go with a vanity publisher. So, so that was the other part of your question. So after that, I decided to learn the process myself and do the process myself and publish my own books. Yeah, I think I probably would have also. Yeah. Now, from what I understand, there are some reputable companies out there but if, if you have any kind of tech skills whatsoever, you can do it yourself. You can do the whole process of publishing the book yourself, you know, and you can put it in, in a lot of different places that these, these companies say that they can put it in, but you can do it yourself. It, ta- it takes a little bit of time to get it out there and get it out into all the markets that you want to get into, but it's certainly cheaper than, than doing what I did and pay $2,000 to a company and you got nothing back for it. To this day, they still own the rights of that book. Oh my goodness! Yep. So, other than that bit of um, knowledge that you just dropped for for you know those who may be listening, um, what are common traps for aspiring writers? Well, that's the biggest one right there. <laughs> that is that is the biggest one right there. Watch out for those vanity vanity um, publishers. You know, and, and then and then make sure you get 
someone who can who can definitely edit your books the way they way you want them to be. The editing is is a, for a, for an independent author, an indie author. That's the toughest thing for us is finding editors to edit our books. You know, we don't we don't have the big publishing houses dollars to spend on editing, so we have to get editing done the way the way we best way we can. Now I come across a couple of tools that help a lot, and one is one is Grammarly. I don't know if you heard of Grammarly before, but um, that's an editing yeah. tool. And the other one is Pro Writing Tools. You know, both of if you use those two tools in combination, you can head off a lot of editing things in your in your books. So those are the two biggest things for me: vanity publishers and and editing. And then just okay. just learn the whole process too. You know, don't don't just get into into it and say, okay, I published my book, that's it. <laughs> no, get, learn the whole process so you know what's going on with your book. You know, you it's just like music and 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 movies. You write a book, you publish a book. That book continues to make profit for you thirty years down the line. You know, right. learn learn everything. You know, the uh, independent authors. We have to be marketers. You know, we have to learn how to market our book. Uh, your books don't get marketed on their own. You have to put it out there. You have to get on social media. You have to stand on the street corner. You know, you have to go to events, radio interviews, everything. You have to do this yourself. So when right. you take on that responsibility of saying I'm gonna publish a book. Don't think that that book is just going to sell on its own. You have to market it. That's that's, that's good uh, information right there. And it's it's applicable across um, all forms of entertainment because I tell artists that the same. Um, mm-hmm. You just can't go in the studio and make a track and that be the end of it. You know, right. um have to be on social media, you have to be um, promoting your new music, you know, you, you have to do the interviews, um, and you have to learn all aspects of this industry as well. You just can't say that you're a songwriter or, you know, an artist and, and be done with it because when it comes time to sign a contract, you need to be able to differentiate um, what's being said in these contracts. And there's nobody better, I feel, to, especially when you're just starting out, to um get your music out there to people um, so that they can see what you're all about than, than yourself. You should be willing to put in that work like you do on your full-time job. You should be able to do the same, you know, um, as an artist. So that's mm-hmm. what you just said. That stands across, you know, um, many uh, communities uh, within the entertainment industry. Um, and there's one more thing, too, that, that a lot of people don't don't realize. When I when I say that about your, your books, books, music, movies, will be making royalties or can be making royalties 30 years down the line. Well, what if you're not here 30 years? What happens to that money? Do you need to set up some sort of process so that, it's like for me, I have a son. If something happens to me, he gets my royalties. Those royalties don't stop because I'm no longer here. They're passed down. So people have to keep that in mind, too. That's why it's important or important for for artists to be um, registered. You know, um, BMI, um, ASCAP, they need to be registered so they they are um, getting their royalties. That you're not just putting music out, you know, just for uh, the love of it. 
you know, or that you're just not putting music out, you know, for your fans, but you need to be able to reap um, the benefits of everything that you invested into your music career. So, you know, again, it just, um, there's so many correlations within the literary community and uh, the music industry. You know, there's a lot of that cross um, between those, those two um, segments of the entertainment, you know, industry. Mm -hmm. Um, it's, a, it's the business then, you know. You, you got you got what right, you do. Right. You know, you write, you you write. Someone else sings. Someone else acts in movies. You know, but but the business end is all very similar, not exactly the same. <laughs> you know, you got to do things to to cover your royalties, to cover, you know, royalties in the future, and market yourself. It's that's all the same business end uh, stuff that you have to do, and and that's what independent authors have to learn. You know, you, 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 I get I get authors that come talk to me, say, "Oh, I'm going to write a book," and I, I start telling them all the stuff they got to do. Not besides just writing the book, you know, you got other things you got to do, and so you know, it, some of them may not may decide not to do it because they got so much to do. But I think it's better that they know before they they get into it. Exactly. What one thing would you give up to become a better writer? One thing would I give up? Yeah. Um, hmm. I actually can't think of one thing I would give up to become a better writer. Because um, I, I, stri- I strive every day to to be a better writer. You know, I, I I guess I'm giving up my time because I continue to learn. You know, every every day, even though I've, I've put out these books, it's been 10 years I've been doing this, I still continue to learn. You know, and I kind of got that. From you know, I'm I'm a musician as well, so I kind of got it from that that perspective. You know, no matter how long I've been playing my piano, I still learn. You know, I still try to learn new stuff and grow. So I'm always giving up my time to learn to be better at what it is I do. So time, I guess, is the thing that I I I already give up to become better and at writing, playing my music, whatever, whatever it is. And growth, uh, growth is something I hear on every interview, no matter um, if it's a blogger, if it's, you know, an author, if it's a, a music artist, if it's an entrepreneur, if you're in the same place that you were last year, doing the same things that you were doing um, last year, and you haven't seen any growth, then it's time for you to, you know, rewrite the plan and um because we, we can't stay complacent in everything that we do. We have to be able to right. experience growth. Um, and I that kind of goes back to the question I asked about, you know, your writing process in the beginning versus your process now. If someone tells me, oh, it's the same, or my music sounds the same, then you haven't experienced mm. growth, you know? What do you yeah. what do you Mine's <laughs> a long way away from being the same. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Because well, yeah. like I said, it took me it took me two years to write my first book. You know, two years now, I ain't gonna tell you how many books I'm gonna have out. <laughs> Especially when you're putting them out, you know, um, quickly as you're putting them out, like mm-hmm. three last year, and you're slated to do three this year. So, yeah, you have to be able to uh, see the growth in everything that you do. Mm-hmm. But actually, you know, if you, if you really think about it, uh, most of 2018, I didn't do anything because, like I told you, I had a hard 2018. I lost my sister, you know, and so it was a difficult year for me. 
And I actually did not start writing until August. And I felt God speaking to me saying, okay, you grieved enough. Get up and go and do this. Do what I have you to do. So I actually didn't start writing in 2018 again until uh, August. You know, I was I was barely keeping my magazine afloat last year. You know, my, my writing staff, you know, they did a wonderful job keeping all the articles going and keeping the magazine afloat. But personally, I wasn't doing a lot of writing at all until August. So when, when you say three books in 2018, it was only it was really three books in five months. And then the fourth came out in, in March of this year. So I actually didn't get back on the saddle until August, you know, until I just said, you know, enough is enough. And I got to stop sitting around here feeling bad and down and stuff and get back into doing what I was doing. So, and once I started doing that, you know, it was, it was, it became good therapy for me. It became, it started relieving the stress because I started doing what I love to do. Hmm. Makes sense. And when that's something a lot of people um, run from, and I'm I'm guilty of that. When you're spoken to, um, and when you're told to go ahead and and do what he's already designed for you to do, you have no choice but to get it done. So I felt like you could have done, you know, your three books in three months if that was um, what he'd already planned, you know, for your life. It would have happened. Um, whether it took you the whole year or whether it took you that five months that it took you, um, when he speaks, you know, uh, a lot of things can can move, and they can move very quickly. So I commend you for that, three books in five months. Again, that will never happen to me. Uh, I stay distracted too much. That's why I asked you the question about, you know, what do you do when it comes to distractions? But, um, yeah, we'll get that all worked out. If you learn my strategy, though. <laughs> I guarantee you that book will come quicker. <laughs> well, I'm definitely going to have to learn that strategy, definitely. Mm-hmm. If you're just tuning in live right here on Two Rich Tuesdays on Indie Fire right here with Nakia and our special guest, uh, Gerald T. Anderson, author and movie producer. Hey, yo, what's good? It's your boy, Jerusalem, from the Scarfella Music Group, and you're on the air with the hottest station. Andy Fire, Andy Fire, with your host, Lil Timmy and Nakia, right here, right on the here, right here, right here, all the hottest hip hop hits, Andy Fire, Andy Fire, let's get it, let's get it, let's get it. So I know a lot of people. You mentioned that you are a, a musician as well, um, and with my artists, you know that's something that I always ask them. You know, do you come from a musical? background, you know, there's a family support, you know, the music that you put out. So as a uh, an author, um, is your family supportive of the career path that you've chosen? Oh, my my family is very supportive of, of uh, my, um, my author career. <laughs> but um, they, they also support my music. You know, my family was out there for the movie. And so I got, I got a very supportive family. I can honestly say that for sure. And I got a supportive church family. I go to I have two different churches that I play at, Word Word Healing Outreach Ministry and True Gospel in in Maryland. So um you know, so I have very supportive family, church family, friends, everything. So they all support me very well. Okay. I think that is that is uh important as well that our 
support system is um, strong, um, firm, and very impactful, you know, in our, our lives. And a lot of people, they mention, you know, yes, my family's supportive. You know, my wife or my uh, significant other, they're supportive. My kids are support, you know, supportive. My, my job is even supportive. Um, but very few people say my church is supportive. Um, mm-hmm. No matter, you know, what you're doing in the independent community, I feel like um, you should be able to go to your church and let them know, you know, I started this career as a blogger. This is what I talk about. You know, I started this career as an author, and this is what I, I write about. Or I started this career as a musician, and this is what I sing about. You know, um, I just feel like when you have that group of people playing for your success, uh, you just turn out a little bit more successful, if you ask me. Because you have the right people yeah. in your corner, the right people that are praying for you, not those that you wonder, you know, are their prayers even going to get past the ceiling? You know, you know you got some people in your corner that um, when you say pray for me and, and, and pray for this work that I'm about to release, um, you know that they can get a prayer through, um, that your, oh, yeah. um, <laughs> you know, your work will be, be successful. And not only in that time, but it will continue to be successful um, for years and years to come. So uh, I definitely want my church backing me and everything I do. um, I I normally don't welcome them to listen to the show uh, because, you know, my mouth can go south every now and again. uh, But I (laughs) do a couple of prayers, you know, of my my church family, most definitely. Uh, This is the time of the interview. Both of them them back me, though. So, yeah, 100% they back me, so. This is the time of the interview where we play a little game called Either Or. All right? It's, it's nothing uh, that you have to think very long about. You know, you don't have to go in depth with the answers. Um, the question or the answer will either be one option or it will be the other option. This is a way for our listening audience to learn about you, the person, a little bit more versus, you know, this Jell C. Anderson Sr., to author. Okay? You ready? Okay. I'm ready. All right. Are you adventurous or cautious? Cautious. Do you like Angela Bassett or Michelle Obama? Angela Bassett. Do you prefer Frosted Flakes or Lucky Charms? Frosted Flakes. Do you enjoy washing dishes or doing laundry? Oh, <laughs> um, laundry. Do you think before you speak, or do you speak before you think? Think before I speak. There you have it. One of these days, somebody's going to agree with me. I speak before I speak. Now, the older <laughs> I've gotten, you know, I, I tend to sit back and, and reminisce on my mother always telling me, you need to think before you speak, because your mouth is going to get you in trouble one day. So maybe I'm just waiting on that one day for my mouth to really get me in trouble, because I I still speak before I think. So Mm -hmm. one day I'm going to have somebody on the show that's going to agree with me. They speak before they think as well. No, I grew up up as an introvert, so I've learned to think first before I speak. Oh, no. No, (laughs) not me. No, I'm very, very extroverted. So um, Mm -hmm. it's like I'm always in a hurry always in a hurry, and I just need to get it out. 
but it needs to get done. I don't have time to just sit here and think, all right, so let me get my word formed correctly before I blast off on somebody. No, I just go ahead and say what I got to say. And, you know, um, yeah, yeah. I suffer from really severe migraine headaches. I don't have time to keep a lot of stuff uh, or energy um, bottled up. Mm. So it's got to come out, you know. So I, yeah. The older I get, I find myself just allowing myself to remember what my mother always said. You have to think before you speak. You have to think. Even if that's the only thing that I'm thinking of, you know, um, I do find myself the older I get, you know, just just reminiscing on that right there. The floor is now open to you to get your contact information out so that anyone who's listening can um, get in contact with with you if they want to purchase, you know, a book or two or three or four or all of them. You know, if they want to pick your brain about your strategy of writing, um, if they want, you know, to have their manuscript edited, um, those who are listening now and those who may come back and listen to a follow-up show, uh, the floor is now yours to get your contact information up. Okay. I'll, all of my books are available on my website, which is GeraldCAndersonSR.com. Uh, my my uh, Facebook page is the same thing. Gerald C. Anderson, SR. My Twitter contact is Gerald C. Anderson, and Instagram is Gerald C. Anderson, SR. Uh, so every, everything that I have, have published is available on Amazon, and Barnes & Noble has a, has maybe half of my, my books, and this, there, some of them are in other spots too, but mostly everything is on Amazon. All right, there you have it. Again, I want to thank you for joining me this evening. You could have been anywhere, but you very expeditiously took the call to be here with me tonight. So thank you, thank you, thank you. Once you're on the show, you're always family. Well, thank you. You're always family. Uh, You are a part of our Indie Fire family now. Uh, We will continue to support everything that uh, Gerald C. Anderson Sr. um, has his name stamped on. Make sure that you're following the show on all social media platforms at Indie Fire. That's E-N-D-I-E-F-I-Y-E. Make sure you're following me on all social media platforms at Girl in Motion. That's G-R-L-N-M-O-T-I-O-N. If you have not subscribed to the website, please, please do so. There's two steps to that. You could subscribe on the website, but then you get an email. You have to confirm that email, and then you're officially subscribed. That's www.indiefireradio.com. I want to leave you guys with a quote this evening. The dance can reveal everything mysterious that is hidden in music, and it has the additional merit of being human and palpable. Dancing is poetry with arms and legs. Until Thursday, 7 p.m. Eastern Standard Time with our guest, um, Lil Cole. Yeah, we'll have him on on Thursday, 7 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. So make sure that you're tuning in. We'll be back here on next Tuesday as well with somebody and then again on next Thursday with the mistress of soul uh, Dana Blackwell yes we had Dana on on season one so she returns with some new music uh, next Thursday so if you cannot miss them all please please do not miss them all all right until Thursday 7 p.m. Eastern Standard Time have a good night <laughs>